Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day, everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Tifo and Luby, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz. We've been speaking of him a lot and referencing his columns in the New York Post, and it is true, Luby. Uh, I could have had, it didn't happen, but I could have had my pocket picked by gypsies in Italy like Vito Anafermo did. Uh, in the story that Joe Montagna told us, uh, I, I could lose 500 at the track and, and uh, you know, just do the normal thing and shake it off like any degenerate would. But if I don't get my New York Post, I, I called circulation screaming <laughs> yesterday twice uh, to the point where they actually had to uh, bring somebody else on to the uh, you know phone there to uh, help calm me down that I didn't get my post. I, I can't live without it. And uh, I open it up today. And, of course, uh, great column by Mike Vaccaro, uh, who uh, is joining us right now. And pertaining to uh, the Knicks and what their situation is in free agency, which uh, kind of got shaken up a little bit with this Deontay Murray deal that took place, where he ends up uh, with the Atlanta Hawks now, one of the Knicks' rivals in, in uh, that kind of sector of uh, NBA Eastern Conference uh, hierarchy. And uh, has Leon Rose, Mike Vaccaro, welcome to the show. Has Leon Rose called you yet and suggested what it is that he has in mind for plan B now that that one went up in smoke? I don't believe Leon Rose owns a telephone, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's been a, and not just because he seems to be a half step short of all these trades that other people seem to be able to make, but uh, yeah, he hasn't explained himself to the uh, to the New York media to Knicks fans very often at all during his uh, two plus years of the job, and uh, so I don't think he's going to. I, I think I think he's probably got one of those old uh, cell phone plans where only gets about. You know, an hour free per month, so uh, so he's not going. Metro PCS. He's not going to yeah. waste those. He's not going to waste those minutes on me. Well, and uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, you know, and not that this doesn't happen in New York City, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know, frequency uh, with frequency. But uh, I mean, two years ago, he's been exalted as a genius, uh, you know, for what's happening. Uh, you had the breakthrough season with Julius Randle. It looked like things were going well. Uh, they had some uh, draft capital, and uh, you know it looked like they had some promising young players that they had selected, uh, and, and then none of it really panned out. Uh, so, what do people think of them? Because last year, obviously, it was uh, extremely disappointing by any standard, and it seemed like they had regressed. So, uh, what is the opinion of Leon Rose and the job he's doing, and especially uh, if he doesn't come through with the assets that they need to at least get better in the coming season? Well, in year one, I think he was he he, uh, he was able to get by by the fact that he made a very good decision to hire Tom Thibodeau, especially in that year when Thibodeau was coach of the year. So he, you know, Leon can take credit for that because he did hire him uh, among a pool of candidates. So there was that, and um, the Derrick Rose trade really kind of put the Knicks, you know, into a 
place where they could, you know, I mean, they, they finished 10 games over 500, finished the fourth seat. The Rose trade was a really big reason why. And so, so, so Rose kept going to that too. But really, ever since then, you know, he's made a couple of nice back end uh, deals for the likes of Miles McBride. But I mean, you know, his, his, uh, his dealing and his, you know, his, 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 his yielded Kemba Walker, which was a disaster, and Evan Fournier, which was a, you know, who was a terrible disappointment last year. And now you got this muddled mess of a team that, uh, you know, we would be lucky to compete for the for the playing spot, um, and hasn't gotten any better yet. And you know what he would what he seems intent on doing is collecting draft picks, which are lovely to have in your in your arsenal. But you know when you have eleven of them over the next seven years, as the next two, those are supposed to be your primary assets. And he hasn't done anything with them. And you know Deontay Murray was an opportunity. Uh, clearly, given what the what the Hawks gave up, I mean, it was very similar to what the Knicks had in terms of being able to to force that deal if they wanted to, also. But clearly, uh, uh, the, you know, they 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 didn't uh, they they didn't they either couldn't or wouldn't or didn't want to. Uh, we'll know that sometime in the next fifteen or twenty years when Leon goes on the record again. Uh, and so now you're stuck with a team that's not. <laughs> And, and now you're stuck with a team that's just not quite as good as it was last year. And last year they were good for you know, 30, you know, 37 wins. And this is not good enough. Not in, the Eastern, not, not in the Eastern Conference, certainly not in New York. And certainly not, you know, after in year three of what the Knicks fans had hoped would be a, something of a renaissance. Mike, the Jalen Brunson rumors, it's funny. Even when it felt like the Knicks literally have done everything they can, Devo joked there's no better path for a free agent than what the Knicks have done. Former agent is... Leon Rose, current agent, Rose's son, so I'm sure it's Rose's agency. Um, the uh, one of the assistant coaches is his father, so it feels like, and they're gonna get, they were gonna give more money than Dallas was offering. Cool. Um, even then, it still felt like okay, so it makes the Knicks what a seventh seed, eighth seed playing team. Now that's even up for grabs because the Mavs and the Heat are going all in on Brunson. Is this sort of make it or break it for Rose? Like, you just went down the list of things everyone thought were good moves that ended up not being good moves. Like, is this make or break for him? Like, are we literally on the hot seat already for a guy that everyone was heralding as such a great hire? And at the very least, he needs to close the Brunson deal. There's no question about that. If if they were to ever lose Brunson at all, it would be a fiasco. If they lost it to the Heat, <laughs> if, one, if one more time Pat Riley says, oh, by the way, uh, hi, uh, we're, we're going to sign this guy. And you make your life miserable, Knicks fans, um, which he's been doing basically intermittently for the last 25 years. Uh, that would be just, <laughs> just, 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 just the last straw. Uh, he has to get back done. And look, I mean, you know, the thing about Brunson, it's not like they're importing, you know, Giannis. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not that. He's a definite improvement over point guard, and, and, and it's testament to just how terrible the Knicks have been in that position mm. for a long, long time. That I mean, he would make them significantly better just because. The one thing about the one hallmark of Knicks games last year was just the chaotic way they approached the last five minutes of games because they had no point guard, or at least mm-hmm. no, no reliable point guard, once Derrick Rose went down. And, 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 you know, losing Rose. And Rose is supposed to be a backup. You know, the, the, they, they need an established, young, dynamic point guard, and Brunson provides that. He's, you know, he's not among the, from the top five in the league, but he's certainly in the upper echelon of the league. And they need that. They need that. They need to sign him. That needs to be uh, a must. If they lose that, uh, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure how Leon survives, frankly. 
Mike Vaccaro, the New York Post, with us here on the Defoe Show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, South Florida Live. Happy to have you guys uh, with us. And, uh, Mike, I mean, uh, there are no shortage of things happening on the NBA front in New York, not the least of which was, uh, and I don't know, I mean, how good are you at dissecting the mind of a madman? And, uh, you know, uh, what what did you see in this whole Kyrie Irving thing? Uh, what was there ever even the slightest hint of a chance? I mean, uh, no matter what, even if he thinks the earth is flat, he must be able to do basic math to realize that six is one-sixth of 36. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. what, what did you make of that whole thing uh, where, I mean, uh, it was like a stalemate, I guess, uh, with Marx and uh, the people running the Brooklyn Nets and uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. But, um, I mean, how predictable was it that he was going to, you know, opt in uh, for the $36 million when when all he could make with the Lakers was six? Well, Uber, Uber, uh, Uber, uh, <laughs> predictable. I mean, look, it's, it's, uh, the thing about, about, about Kyrie is that everything he does, he tries to make it sound like a sacrament. And, yeah. you know, he tried to do that here. And, you know, look, I mean, uh, nobody faults him for, for, for taking the 36 point whatever million dollars from the debt sure. that he had coming to him. I mean, no, no one faults him for that. No one faults him for not wanting to go to Los Angeles, which, like you said, I mean, you know, $30 million less. I'm, I'm I'm terrible at math, but even I figured that that's not as good a deal as yeah. the metric will offer. So, you know, but I, I think what makes Kyrie Kyrie is that you know he, he, it's, it's not enough just to just see what's out there, but then he's got to you know make it sound like he's changing the world. Literally, you know, talk that he you know, <laughs> can change the world. Well, you know what, changing the world would have been you know saying, well, you know what, I want to be happy and play for a, for a team I'm more comfortable with. I'm going to take six million dollars. That would have that would have been earth changing. But I mean, to, to, and I think that's what gets a little clawing after a while. And, you know, look, I mean, this is a new behavior for Kyrie. I mean, you know, ask fans of the Cavaliers of the Celtics. I mean, after a while, his shelf life expires. And I'm not going to say it's expired with the Nets because he still played very well here when he's played. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think the Nets fans are at the point where they're like, all right, Kyrie, let's give, give him 75 games. Let's see what we got, and let's see if we can take a chance at the, uh, at, at the title next year. And, you know, I mean, I think a lot of Miss fans are going to, you know, hold their nose as they do that, but they understand that, look, you know, when, when they play at their best, Kyrie and, and Durant are still as good a one-two point as there is in the Eastern Conference, and, you know, you take a shot. Um, and that's really what the bottom line is. Mike, what's interesting is it, Kyrie did play a little, at least. The one guy that didn't play the entire year for either the Sixers or the Nets was Simmons, and no one's really talking about Ben Simmons, and I get it. He's sort of become... Not only a malcontent, I, he just sort of has disappeared. But you're, you've covered that team, you're around that area. You, I'm sure you've been involved with the organization. Like, what is the word about Ben Simmons? Like, people are just assuming he's going to play and he'll be Ben Simmons again. I have no thoughts on the guy. Like, what are you hearing? What is the idea up in Brooklyn when it comes to Ben Simmons and his involvement with the team next year? Well, I think I, I think in the best case scenario, they hope that he's going to be what they what they, what they acquired, which is one of the most intriguing players in the NBA. Um, but who knows? Because he's had back surgery, and you know, you know, players respond to injuries in different ways. Uh, he's he is damaged right now, and and will, will remain that way until he proves otherwise. It's just the way it is when you're a player coming back from a, from a fairly major medical issue. Um, so look, I mean, I, but but I, I think certainly the Nets are going to be open-minded about what they have there. I think they, I mean, Nets fans want to be open-minded because if, if if Simmons is, you know, the optimum version of himself, which is a facilitator and a defender exactly what the, what the Nets have had a gaping, yawning hole the last couple of years, even with Kyrie and Durant. So, you know, at his best, Simmons makes the Nets 
it really does make him make, make him that's a 55 win team, and then you see what goes on from there. But the question is, do you get him at his at his best? You know, and you know we've also seen him uh, in, in the other direction where he was where, where, where he was a, where he was a genuine negative for a team in his last year with the Sixers, and that wouldn't be you know which one. He just it's, it's it's really unknown now, so it's hard to really. I think for, for for Nets fans specifically, but also for the Nets themselves to understand exactly what they've got until they see, you know, what, what he's like in training camp, what he's like on the other side of the surgery, and what he's like on the other side of this kind of life-changing, you know, year and a half. Mike Vaccaro of the New York Post with us here on the Defoe Show. Uh, all right, uh, changing directions here, and a lot of interesting stuff happening there, obviously on the NBA scene, and we do have free agency and a lot of interesting <clears throat> players. Yeah. Also uh, involved in free agency, and uh, we'll see uh, what situations uh, actually are influenced by uh, acquisitions and are uh, depleted by it. But uh, uh, Major League Baseball in New York, obviously a baseball town. Now, we, we don't have that feeling here. We oh. haven't had that feeling here since, uh, what, 1997? <laughs> 2003. <laughs> 2003 was the last time, but uh, in between has been nothing. We're, we're not really a baseball-related city, except for the uh, expatriates from uh, various other places around the country. But, uh, I mean, it's at a fever pitch in New York, and you have both the Mets and the Yankees playing great baseball. The Yankees' uh, comparisons I've already seen, like like three games into the season, uh, I, I think even in the post, there were comparisons to the 27 Yankees <laughs> talking about this team, which uh, what was a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I don't know that anybody anticipated uh, Yankee starting pitching uh, would be this good, especially after that horrific, after that horrific start by Garrett Cole in the uh, opener, and you thought, "Oh my God, it's going to be a disaster of a year." But uh, uh, Aaron Judge, I, I, a lot of times covering sports, uh, you know, and I would imagine th- this is true of New York fans in particular, having been one, uh, they, they always want their players to do the right thing, and uh, fans would normally be critical, going, "What? What is this guy? Who does he think he is? He turns down two hundred and seventy million dollars or whatever it was." You know, and, uh, you know, what, what is he, the second coming of Babe Ruth? But but in the case of Judge, people were actually, I, I think, outside of Cashman's office holding up giant pictures of Lisa Meanwell <laughs> saying, hey, give this guy the money. Um, has there ever been a guy in a more favorable position to uh, negotiate a deal than Aaron Judge's uh, right now as we speak, uh, you know, even after going through the arbitration where they split the difference? Uh, but but staved it off, uh, you know. I mean, what were the Yankees going to say that was going to be ugly about Aaron Judge? Uh, and, and has there ever been a guy right, in, a, in a stronger position in New York uh, as, as a fan favorite than Judge's right now? Probably Derek Jeter. I think I think I think uh, I think Jeter could have made his price tag, and the Yankees could have paid him anything. And you weren't going to hear a lot of Yankees fans complain if they you know if they, if they paid him five hundred million dollars. Um, that of course came after you know a career where he'd already won a bunch of championships. And, you know, it's a little different with Judge because, you know, a lot of Judge's career has been kind of viewed on spec because he's been hurt so much. But when he's played, he's been, he's been incredibly productive and he's been a good citizen. He's been a good, he's been a guy that you know, clearly appreciates being in New York, uh, clearly appreciates being a Yankee, being a part of what the Yankees are. And then you combine that with what he's been this year, which is just this, just, just relentless, uh, uh, phenomenon. Um, uh, every, every time the Yankees need a big hit, he seems to walk to the plate and he delivers. Every time they need a home run, he seems to walk to the plate and delivers. He's a terrific outfielder. Uh, looks better than himself, and it looks like you know the smartest bet you know that any player has ever you know, made on himself. Uh, you know, and if they, you have to figure the Yankees are going to be unwilling to par with him, so he's going to essentially be able to, 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 to name his price, but. I also think that, that that judge is an independent enough thinker to where he's not 
you know, it, it, what makes him different from Jeter is that I think Jeter, you know, as part of Hart's knew that even when he was having a, a late career contract to with the Yankees, there was no way he was going to be Yankees because it meant too much to him to be a lifetime Yankee. I think the judge would be just as happy playing for the Giants or playing for, you know, for, 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 for the Dodgers or playing for the, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I think he would prefer to be a Yankee, but I don't think he would rock his world. And look, he's from, he's from California. He grew up a Giants fan. I don't think it would bother him at all. To, you know, I think the only thing that might bother him is that, uh, you know, you lose maybe 10 homers a year by not taking aim at the right field port at Yankee Stadium. But uh, you get over that. You get, you know, 450 million reasons to be over that. You do. Oh, fantastic, uh, you know, story to follow uh, during the baseball season. And the guy couldn't be having a more remarkable year, nor could the New York Yankees. Uh, all right. Th- this is kind of a, an interesting situation because uh, – People thought with the new owner, Cohn, uh, that the Mets uh, might finally uh, make some moves. Uh, they went out, they made a big splash. Uh, they got Lindor and uh, other pricey players, uh, made more moves during the offseason. Uh, now, now, normally around this time of the year, no matter how well the Mets were faring, uh, Met fans would be uh, living and cowering in, in psychotic fear of the imminent collapse. But yep. they actually are going to get an infusion, an infusion of their own talent, uh, I guess, pretty soon with, with DeGrom and Scherzer coming back. Uh, you know, while in a position uh, of strength. So uh, have the Met fans uh, gotten past uh, the usual resignation that, uh, that this thing has to end soon, this joyride? Not yet. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's been traumatic watching a 10-and-a-half game, game lead you know, come down to three, which is what it is this morning. But, look, I think there's a reason for that. I mean, you know, I mean obviously, I think, I think Mets fans were worse if they thought that the Mets collapsed. But it's kind of hard to yeah. maintain that lead when you've got a team in your division winning 15 games and you're going whatever they are, 21-5 and five during June. Um, you're going to lose you're gonna lose some ground when, when a team is playing that hot. Um, I, I think as long as the Mets are able to kind of stay with their heads above water, I mean, they, they should get Scherzer back next week in Cincinnati. They should get DeGrom back not long after the All-Star break. I mean, both of those guys had pretty positive results yesterday. DeGrom was a batting practice in Port St. Lucie. And uh, Scherzer, you know, he wasn't perfect in his uh, second rehab start. But all the one and Noel Scherzer wanted was him to kind of, kind, of, kind of come out of that game healthy. And that's just the way it seems. So he should be back in the big leagues next next week. And, and look, I think you know, there, there, there is a new, a new sheriff in town. So, I mean, come – the end of July, whatever, or dur- during July, look, the Mets have holes. They have holes in the bullpen. They could really use another bat. And they have an owner who has said for the record that even though they, 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 the highest luxury tax threshold was named for him, uh, he'd be more than happy to honor that by actually surpassing it if need be. And wow. So I, 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 don't, I don't think that Mets fans are completely over the post-traumatic stress of, of uh, Wilponism, which was, you know, let's <laughs> you know, try and do this all in cheap. Um, I think they're starting to slowly realize, you know, as many times, look, as Steve Cohen himself said, said patiently many times, it's not the old way of doing business. We do things differently now, and he's got the resources to do that. Uh, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they, 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 you never know exactly, you know, not every team has a bonanza at the deadline the way that the Braves did last year, for instance, uh, which was historic. But look, I mean, if you take your puncher's chance and you, and, you, and, you, and you try, that's all really their fans ask. And I do think the Mets will do that. Now, do they get the right players? Does the Scherzer and DeGrom come back as their former selves? I mean, those, that, that's to be determined. But, but uh, it's certainly better, you know, a, 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 good, uh, a good place to be. I don't know if I actually had reached some uh, phone bank in Taiwan or if I was talking to somebody that's in the building there at the New York Post. But if you see the guy in circulation that I chewed out yesterday, please apologize to him. 
you know, for <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. A little overzealous I, I, I approach I will, I will to vouch. trying to get my newspaper. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will vouch for you. Yeah. Well, but I, I, I freak out if I don't get to post. It's the one thing that really bothers me, Mike, uh, and especially because your work is in it. Uh, hey, hey, hey! Thanks so much uh, for being with us here today. Very enlightening as always, uh, and, and our fans really enjoy your appearances on the show. So uh, we hope to do it again soon. And uh, good thing there's not much to write about in New York right now. Kinda, <laughs> you know, it makes for a nice, easy summer. <laughs> Thanks for joining us Always on the great. show. Always great talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. I'd be well, Mike. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike Vaccaro, ladies and gentlemen. On the uh, Believe Network, uh, B-L-E-A-V, where we always say as we make our exit from Mike Luby Lubitz, I'm Jeff DeForest saying no matter what you're doing today, no matter what uh, you know, your endeavor is in life, you got to believe. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.